guys hello and welcome back i'm jojo fraser it's time for a mojo injection episode 124 it's so good to have you here boom bang bosh jump in where we judge less live more open up our minds really listen with empathy and just curiosity and it's a kind place where we learn we dive deeper we get past the surface level stuff we show up fully as we are and that's okay Um, And there's some really deep chats, especially as we get into this. Um, Some real light bulb moments for me as we kind of really get deeper and deeper and and about how we work as humans and how we need to feel a sense of control and balance and how sometimes we can sort of get lost in that and we can, you know, hold on to certain things to try and feel a sense of control. And it's just about self-awareness and self-discovery. I just found this really, really fascinating. So you're in for a treat. But guys, yeah, I just want to send you so many good vibes. I've been putting content out on my YouTube, Jojo Fraser, lots of wild swimming. I will be arranging a big wild swimming event. um, And I'll be raising awareness about Make Seconds Count, a charity I'm a patron for. Um, I love the strapline, Make Seconds Count. We say it all the time. Like my little boy said it to me the other day, like we were doing art. He's six, I still want to kiss his face off. And I'm like... I've seen how quickly my eight-year-old's grown up and I'm like, I've really got to make every second count while he's still so cute and so young. Oh, so I'm I'm all about the gushy mindfulness and I know I spoke about this in my first book. If you read it, Time for a Mojo Injection, all about getting that gushy mindfulness in with those you love and really cherishing, you know, if you've got kids, cherishing the age they're at. It's a really precious thing to watch a child grow or cherishing older parents or cherishing friends or you know, just being mindful with those you love and really connected. And I've been thinking a lot about that um, and just trying to really enjoy pockets of calm. And uh, certainly wild swimming is that for me too. It's pure joy in a shot and I want to raise more awareness about that. So I'm enjoying making these videos and I've got some cool stuff up on the blog too, mummyjojo.com. I've got a really cool waterfall blog up with access to it. I've had loads of people ask how to find it. So I've put a video and a blog. I'm in a good mood. I'm feeling kind. <laughs> so jump and enjoy that. And any requests, guys, shoot them my way. Mummyjojoblog um, at gmail.com or you can get me on social at Jojo Fraser Mojo. But it's just so nice to have you here and I'm looking forward to firing up your mojo. We've got lots and lots to think about and yeah, just sending you all the all the good vibes and all the love. So let's get on to my guest. So my guest has been in the wellness industry for years, as you're shortly about to find out. So I have Gemma Blameyer. I'm pretty sure that's how you pronounce it. Um, so Gemma is a global health coach and she is really experienced with nutrition. She's gone through her own sort of trauma and we speak about that. We talk about trauma on the body and ways to sort of take stress off the body. We, we get pretty deep and we speak about, you know, issues with control and trying to find our own power. We talk a lot about wellness and um, allowing yourself to feel lighter and self-compassion. And self-compassion is something I push so, so much. And also compassion for others, I think, is so important for our mental health. I was chatting to someone and they were saying, oh, Uh, they've been quite critical um, of themselves and others and I said just focus on you know your inner critic there and they were saying well my mental health's fine and I'm like well actually if your mental health's fine 
your mental health's good. We do judge less and we live more. That's why I chose the strap line for this because we don't, we're not focused on others. We're not focused on the flaws of others. We're focused on self-improvement. We're focused on having fun, joy, peace, calm, all those good vibes, right? But when we're not that good, we're focusing on all the negativity of others or the negativity towards yourself, the inner critic. You're this, you're that, you're this, you're that. And I just want to encourage you to be kind to yourself. And if you do catch yourself really judging people, take a break, take a step back, get some natural oxytocin in you. And there's so many ways to do that. Meditation, wild swimming, you know, mantras, yogas, prayer, reading, chilling out, going for a walk in the trees, hugging a tree, jumping in a paddling pool, you know, going out with a friend for coffee and cake or whatever gets you, you know, gets you going and just being kind to yourself. Be kind to yourself, especially in these crazy times. Sending you so much love, so much good vibes. Let's get Gemma on. All her details are in the show notes and yeah, have a great week guys. See you next week. All the love. Okay, hi Gemma, welcome to Time for a Mojo Injection. Thank you for having me. It's lovely to have you here. So we met via Lynette Gray, I think she left me a voice note about, was it two or three months ago now? Time just flies. Um, And she was like, Gemma's amazing, have to introduce you, she'd be fab on the Mojo Injection. I was like, brilliant, ding dong, let's get in the diary. And at the time we were like, oh that's ages away. And we're just like... It's flown so quickly. It was just Christmas and now it's May on Saturday as we record this. <laughs> but um, it's crazy. But it's lovely to have you in this space, Gemma. So thank you. Um, and looking forward to getting to know you and learning from you and getting some mojo injections. So tell us a little bit about yourself. I mean, you're a health coach, but how did you come to, to get into this amazing role? <laughs> So I um, have been a PT for nearly 20 years Um, and I've done other things. Uh, I was a primary teacher until I had my eldest child. Um, I've done transport management for my husband, but I've always stayed in the wellness stratosphere, if you like. I've never really left. Um, I'm always drawn back by the wealth of people that you meet and that join your journey Um, and then I became really unwell after an ectopic pregnancy Um, about I want to say about five years ago four or five years ago now Um, and it set off sparked off an autoimmune reaction within my body that left me with a, a loss of dexterity I struggled to tie shoelaces struggled to hold a pen um, had weird uh, pains in my fingers and my hands, my wrists, um, and then into my ankles, and it started to spread throughout my joints. So working in the fitness world, you know, I couldn't grip a barbell. Exercise just wiped me out. Whereas you know you you're used to exercise giving you endorphins and making you feel great, absolutely floored me. So I ended up not being able to work, <clears throat> um, and the the GP, well, at first they thought it might be MS. A physio actually thought it might be MS, so I was sent for tests. Thankfully, it wasn't that. Um, and the, 
the doctor was like, do you know what? It'll probably go the same way it came on its own, but there's not an awful lot we can offer you. And that just didn't sit for me. I was like, there's got to be something you can do. Um, so I found a, a naturopathic doctor and I went down that route and ended up self-healing really with um, nutrition, changing the way I eat, what I ate, uh, changing the style of exercise I did and really removing as much external stress as I could um, to, yeah, to give my body a chance. And I started working with a craniosacral therapist who was just life-changing. Um, I went to her because she was a physio and she was like, well, I'm not sure about like, you know, traditional hands-on physio, but we could try this. And I was like, listen, I'm open to anything. I am at breaking point, you know, so whatever you can try, I am willing to try. Um, and yeah, turned everything around over probably about 18 months. Um, and off the back of that, then decided that I had a, a really solid um, kind of a base of nutritional education, if you like. Uh, but I decided to build on that and um, went, I didn't go to the States, but found a, a training provider in the States and did start to do training with them um, all around um, functional medicine, uh, naturopathic remedies, uh, really in-depth gut health, nutritional support, how you can dial down your stress response with how you eat and what you eat. Um, and then went on to do my health coaching and then pretty much flipped everything that I used to practice on its head um, and started working with people in, in yeah, the health coaching kind of thing. So I kind of went from being a PT with an interest in nutrition to in-depth nutrition with an interest in physical activity. Uh, so yeah, that's how I arrived where I am now. Wow. And, and would you say, you know, so with this newfound passion with nutrition and, and all the research you did and it properly changed your life, what percent would you put that down to the sort of change in your diet as opposed to, because obviously you couldn't do a lot of exercise at that stage, but would you give... Um, I would just say it, it was probably about 90% diet. Wow. And yeah. I've always eaten well. Um, I'm a big stickler that you don't label food good and bad because once you do that, you glorify food that maybe doesn't deserve it and villainize food that again doesn't deserve it and people it polarizes people and it makes them crave bad food and feel you know it affects your self-worth because you're like oh I've, I've eaten bad food all weekend um but yeah I've always eaten in a nutritionally rich way but uh, now I would say I probably eat about 92% maybe a little bit more plant-based wow um, and before I probably had a much more 50-50, if not more heavily weighted towards animal products yeah. diet. So was this the kind of advice you were given then? That was the key change that you just switched out a lot of the meat? To yeah. yeah. So basically I was looking at every, every possible way 
to reduce the stress response that my body was giving off mm -hmm. and digesting animal products can put your body into that stress zone and I mean we're talking about like a, a nervous system that was dialed up to the max so I was looking at every little thing that I could do to dial it down uh -huh. um, and yeah cutting out the majority of animal product has completely changed I mean at, at one point I couldn't get my jewelry on never mind like turn my ring on my fingers they were so swollen and puffy and stiff um, so yeah it was between that and probably the CST treatments um, and the healing of a forgotten trauma that that probably three prong approach was was probably what um, or definitely what made the most difference wow so we'll we'll stick with the nutrition stuff for now and we'll we'll, we'll talk about the three um what other foods apart from meat put stress on your body so any animal product and everybody's different so there's not a one-size-fits-all approach um everybody's body handles things differently everybody's body handles stress differently and uh, everybody's body is in a different state of stress at any given time. Lots of people are really um, negatively affected by external stressors, work, family, uh, finances, you know, those kind of things, and they can manifest as physical illness. Um, and lots of people are susceptible, their gut becomes really susceptible to what they give it. Uh, and that could be highly refined foods, highly processed foods, it could be. Um, animal heavy uh, foods um, so yeah anything anything that uh, negatively affects your your gut basically can can trigger that stress response so for me I wouldn't have said that you know having a chicken curry or having um, a steak I wouldn't have said oh I really noticed that difference Mm -hmm. um, but taking all that away and stripping it right back, it almost gave my gut a chance to recalibrate and settle. Um, and then, I mean, I don't not eat meat. I wouldn't say that I'm a complete vegan. I'm definitely not. Um, but I do, I do know the warning signs now of when I'm overdoing it. So if we go to a steak, I say if we go to a steak restaurant, like we've done that for uh, however long. But you know, if I was to go to a steak restaurant, for example, I would choose to have a really nicely cooked steak. And as a one-off, I don't get any issue with that. But if I was to do that a few nights in a row, I would start to feel my hands start, my wrists start to stiffen up. Um, I would start to feel, <sighs> definitely it's my, hand and wrist joints that give me the feedback straight away but if I tune in I've probably got a bit of brain fog um, my digestive digestion's probably a bit sluggish um, and if I let that go those little warning shots would start to snowball mm -hmm. and it would quickly build back up and make me feel terrible. Mm -hmm. Wow that's powerful isn't it? I mean because 
I, I'm really fascinated by all of this stuff and I have been trying to have a lot more plant and I was quite strict with it a couple of months back when that was all I was eating and we were having like even like vegan sausages and stuff like that but we were you know I was doing like a veggie chili and oh just you know all the stuff that you know is good for you it's not processed yeah. you're making it from scratch you know you're yeah. doing it all and it did feel amazing um and then my husband he just loves like to have protein because he's like typical lifts a lot of weight so he likes to have chicken or you know he was doing okay with it but he was starting to miss meat so we brought it back in a bit but I'm at that stage again where I'm like I kind of want to get a bit back to where we were at <laughs> um but you know you speak to some people and like maybe they're in their 90s and all they've had all their life is like bacon rolls and like Sunday rolls and like meat is their staple and it doesn't seem to affect them what which it's hard, isn't it? Because you don't really know where to draw the line and, and where yeah. you fit in that. I think part of like modern society's problem isn't so much the food, it's what happens to it before we get it. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it, it's probably been much less interfered with in, the era, in those people's era uh -huh. than it, it has where we are. Uh, I mean, certainly we're nowhere near the states, you know, the kind of things that, that they do with their food that is still allowed. Mm -hmm. But, in the, you know, we, we still have antibiotics within the food chain. Um, we still have pesticides, you know, things like that. They reckon that quite a lot of um, gluten intolerance is more about what's happened to the crop than the fact that we are more gluten intolerant. Oh, yeah. um, and again a lot of it depends on the other things that are in your diet or the other factors in your life um, so two things that I do with clients my husband's exactly like yours he's a meat and two veg man that's what he would ideally like to have for his teeth you know he'll often say where's the meat in that yeah. and I'm like yeah just point, point out a bit and that'll be meat. That's fine. Just like kid yourself on. Um, but it can be really daunting for people if you say to them, strip it out. Like stop eating all of that. Because then all they can think about is a steak or a burger or, you know, a nice piece of chicken, roast chicken. Uh, so one of the things I do with clients is to just get them to add one colour of veg in. So I will start with green. So try and add green veg to as many meals as you can over the next week. So rather than thinking about taking things away, focus on adding things in. Mm -hmm. And eventually, you'll probably find that you crowd things out. So you crowd out the stuff that you did want to stop having, but it feels more difficult to take it away than it does to crowd it out with other stuff yeah. and just build that up over a, a longer period of time. Um, we're really conditioned that diet to diet, you have to be deprived. So it, you have to deprive yourself of something. And that just becomes counterintuitive. People can't stick to it because all they can think about are the things they de they're depriving themselves of. So I like to get people to focus on abundance. Mm -hmm. What can they add in that they currently don't have? Mm -hmm. and, and focus on that, come from that angle than the deprivation angle. And it, it, it becomes easier for people to do it that way. Yeah, I was doing that with like a pack of chickens. So I, if we had like two organic chicken breasts, 
I would make that into like two or three meals. Do you know what I mean? So just put a tiny yeah. bit in the curry and then my husband's like, I'm trying to dish out the chicken. <laughs> And then I just put extra veg and just kind of bulk it out a little bit and then it goes further. Um, yeah. But do you still have cheese? So I still have some, I would choose like sometimes a bit of feta or a bit of goat's cheese. Um, don't get me wrong, there are times when I really just want a baked potato with cheese and beans mm-hmm. and I'll have it and that standalone doesn't give me any issue. Um, I use almond milk or coconut milk or hazelnut milk over dairy milk. Um, I've never really been a great fan. Like I have memories of being forced to eat cereal and hating the milk. Mm -hmm. So it's never something that I've chosen. I would never have chosen to have a glass of milk. Um, I would have a splash and a cup of tea maybe, but I'll drink coffee black. Um, so yeah, that kind of dairy side of things never bothered me. I did like yogurts, like, uh, you know, I've always been a yogurt fan, but oat milk yogurt, coconut yogurt, um, cashew yogurt even is, you still get the creamy consistency. Um, so yeah, I didn't miss any of that. And actually I, I'd struggle. Somebody bought me a coffee the other day. And like I felt like I could almost smell the milk mm-hmm. before I was even drinking it. And I, I really struggled. Not that it would probably have had any major effect for one coffee. Um, but yeah, I struggled with the milk in it. Mm-hmm. It's funny, you do get used to certain things. So there's so many options now, isn't there? And you, can, you get a taste for it. I, I think a lot of people were scarred by being force-fed milk as kids. I never, like like the milk at school I was just like no I don't want it but my mum told me the story of you know her generation she was forced to have it and she was really sick (laughs) so that can stick in a lot of people but for kids generally they're meant to have milk are they what would you say if they just well my eldest two both were formula well all three of my kids have been formula fed and my eldest two they never got cow's milk they just got formula until they were like off bottle of milk really um, and neither of them are big dairy eaters at all um, they'll have milk and again I give them the option if they'd rather have cow's milk or coconut milk um, if they're having cereal or very occasionally they'll ask for hot chocolate mm-hmm. but again if you make that with coconut milk they don't they wouldn't know the difference um, but my youngest is cow's milk protein intolerant. Oh, right. Um, and we didn't know that. I just gave him the same formula that the other two had had. And uh, he was really, oh, it was a misery. <laughs> it was a really hard, you know, eight to 12 weeks when he was first born. He never, ever settled. He had the worst reflux I've ever seen. Um, he cried constantly and I was back and forward to the doctor saying there's something not right there's something not right and they were like babies cry that's what they do and I was like I know what I've had two others and they didn't cry like this this is different and it actually wasn't until the health visitor was like has this baby ever smiled and I was like no he just cries all the time I've told you that and they 
they looked into it and sure enough he was cow's milk protein intolerant and we tried oh we must have been through about 15 formulas no. but some some formulas still have lactose in them and he was lactose intolerant um, and that can be just to do with enzymes developing in the gut and it just takes a little bit longer for them to to develop those enzymes mm -hmm. um, so they do say you know check them at three six three six nine twelve months um, and keep checking them and seeing if they've got any more tolerance um, and we had to put lactase enzyme drops in his milk we had to put gaviscon in his milk you know it's just like a cocktail of everything but the man-made formulas that they tried us on didn't really agree with them either so i found goat's milk formula and fed him that and touch wood he's been fine oh great so it just took a little bit of a puzzle it, but was, it was a struggle oh. it was a struggle it's hard enough when they cry, never mind when they're crying more than normal, it puts a lot of pressure on you, doesn't it? Well, if he'd been my first, he'd have been my last. <laughs> I would have been broken. <laughs> that's, that's hard work, but that's, that's great. Um, so you, you feel like you've, you've got your diet in a place now that's perfect for you? Yeah. So it's just, it's just really watching the things that can put stress on the body, you know, so heavy meat, cheese. So I guess cheese, probably like your cheddars and things would be the worst for stress. Again, it's everything in moderation mm -hmm. and every, if what your, your uh, body can cope with uh, digesting basically. And also, again, we're quite conditioned in the, the fitness world that health and well-being is diet and exercise mm -hmm. and while diet and exercise are important they're just two tools for two different jobs mm -hmm. and they're also just two pieces in the jigsaw mm -hmm. so sleep is kind of the, the foundation that underpins your health if your sleep's out of whack if you're not getting enough sleep the other, the other pillars of health, if you like, can't stand. Um, and then you have diet, exercise, external stresses, um, and you know, your kind of social relationships and those kind of things that, um, that become your health and well-being. Mm -hmm. So if you can do a little bit in each of those areas mm -hmm. to improve your health and well-being, you stand a much better chance. Um, so if, if you know your stress levels externally are massive, changing your diet and changing your exercise, for example, yes, it'll make a little bit of difference, but you won't see full healing, if you like, um, until you look at each of the areas individually. Um, and that's something that I, uh, I spend a lot of time working with clients with the each of the different pillars and um, the kind of story that they've created for themselves around their health and well-being mm -hmm. so yeah diet it's important and um, it, it's critical probably in the, your overall functioning in your body um, but it's very unique to each different person and it, it probably changes depending on where you're at in your life um, if you've just had a baby for example or um, if you're training for an ultra sporting event you know or 
if your external life is really stressy, if you're in a really stressful point in your career, for example, um, what your body can cope with on a nutritional level will be different. And how much you want to support your body will probably change as well. Do you know how much you want to give it that's, uh, that's supportive? Yeah, it's so key. I mean, you could look at someone and they've got like a six pack and they look super healthy and strong, but perhaps they're like really, really critical of others or constantly, you know, and got this anger or whatever. And it's like, well, there's more to well-being than just, you know, having a fit body. It's, you've got to do that. Absolutely. I mean, when I was at my like fitspirational most, you know, to look at, I was probably at the pit of health and uh, well-being because I was taking hundreds of laxatives a day. I was restricting calories. I wouldn't eat certain things and I was completely overtraining. So while I might have looked like the goal, if you looked inside, it was just an absolute disaster zone. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it looks really deceiving can be so deceiving. So you were speaking about, so the, the next thing was the, the kind of trauma, the past trauma. So have you done quite a lot of work recently to sort of go back there or? Yeah. Um, so when I started to have CST, so CST is craniosacral therapy for anyone that's not familiar. Um, and it basically, your body has um, like the pulse that you feel through that but it also has your uh, your craniosacral system which goes from obviously your cranium to your sacrum and it's like a closed uh, semi-hydraulic system basically that works with the fluid in your brain and all the way down your central nervous system so it it has a rhythm of its own and that can become um, blocked or um, like slow or sluggish and that can uh, it'll lead the therapist down a route of wherever there's a blockage in the in the body and lots of um, craniosacral therapists also work in somatic energy release and that's where you become you you get to that healing of trauma releasing stored energy that uh, causes blockages in the prop in the the body and the energy has to go somewhere and if you don't deal with trauma, and I was very much one for, you know, like just keeping it down, swallow it down, don't, don't talk about it, it's totally fine. Um, it, it will eventually manifest as dis-ease in the body. Um, and some people work through that through talking therapies, but I found CST and ACR to be a really effective way of healing the trauma and freeing the trauma from my body, if you like, and healing the the problem, uh, the problems that I was physically encountering as a result of that. And did you feel a lot lighter after those treatments? Yeah, I mean, the first couple of times I went, I was completely like wiped out. After I had to come home and lie down, um, and then. I would go back and I'd be like, God, it's this again. Do you know, like, I thought we did this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, you'll know yourself if you've done work, you think you've done something and then 
a wee while later you peel off another layer and oh there's something else you know you're like oh god again um so yeah i think i've probably spent the last five years unpeeling all those layers and uh, now there are sometimes that some things i go and it's like big you know wiped out afterwards there are other times i come out and i think god that feels like you know i've taken off a restrictive piece of clothing or something you know um but yeah definitely it it left me feeling or the cumulative effect has left me feeling like i shed a skin i think wow so what actually happens in a session because there's so many different tools for people and sometimes it's just finding what works for you yeah definitely so um it's non-invasive craniosacral therapy so a therapist will put um a very very light amount of pressure they make they say something like a 20 pence piece worth of pressure on your body so you'll hardly feel anything um, and then they'll take the feedback from your body and then some might ask you do you know if you can feel anything or um so it might be like if you got if you got a feeling in your throat, for example, if they're working over your uh, your throat, um, what does it look like? Does it have a colour? Uh, do you know why it's there? Does it need to be there? Um, those are the kind of questions that they might ask. Some people are not in a place where they want to answer those questions, or that they have answers to those questions. So it might just be that the therapist just works themselves on releasing the energy and uh, dispersing it and it might be something that you come back to later um, so yeah again there's not kind of a one-size-fits-all approach to that and other therapists might approach things differently um, but generally they're very good at knowing whether a client is in a place where they can talk about it or if it's just you know something that just the structurally structural work just needs released. Um, I know the first couple of times that I had the the somatic energy release, I was like, <laughs> don't know, really want to to see. Do you know that I've got got a black ball in my stomach, um, or chat to it and ask why it's there and see if it'll leave or if it'll shrink or if it'll move. Um, but it's a bit like everything if you want to get the most out of it you have to give the most to it and I got more comfortable with it I got comfortable with the the therapist that I was working with and I found it a really effective tool I do know people who've had regression experiences that have frightened them and put them off it um, like I kind of relived the when I had the topic it was ruptured and I got rushed into the emergency theatre and the way they put you to sleep is different because you've not been able to fast before they knock you out. So in case you're sick, um, they put you to sleep slightly differently and it's quite traumatic. Somebody holding your neck and you know it's a smaller mask that they use. Mm -hmm. um, and I kind of relived that through a CST process. Um, wow. And you know like theatre lights and talking because you can take it all in it's all there you just your conscious mind doesn't remember it so it can stir things up in the subconscious which can put people off but 
yeah, but I feel safe with the, the therapist I work with. So I just leaned into those experiences and worked through them and found it to be highly effective. Wow, powerful, powerful stuff. It sounds a little bit like Reiki, in which way would you, if you had Reiki? Yeah, it is a little bit like Reiki and quite a lot of CST practitioners practice Reiki um, and they work over the chakras, um, whereas CST is much more, it, it's, uh, it's upledger CST that I uh, work with. And it, he was a, an osteopath, because uh, in the States, osteopaths are medical doctors as well. So they do the same level of training as like a surgical doctor. Uh -huh. um, and he went to, uh, to watch a surgery and actually saw the pulsing of the craniosacral system. They were taking plaque off uh, a, a cranial nerve um and uh, investigated it further from there um so yeah while reiki works very much with the energy yeah. cst starts in the structural starts in the physical body um and works with the energy from there so yeah i suppose reiki is kind of from the, the spiritual down and cst is maybe from the physical body up that makes sense yep, yep. But yeah, it is a lot like reiki wow so did you feel you know after going through all this stuff did you feel a shift did you feel like you were becoming a more spiritual person or did it open up different doors for you um it definitely made me much more aware mm -hmm. of myself um and my energetic self mm -hmm. rather than my physical self if that makes sense yep. um, and yeah it made me much more aware of of how we are all energy and how you know energy isn't just you know calories in calories out it's much more in depth than that and we are much more there is much more to us and um, I think it also made me a lot more compassionate and empathetic mm -hmm. to people mm -hmm. and meeting people where they're at yeah. where they might not necessarily know they're at mm -hmm. and I started to meet people and think oh it's not me you need it's you know it's this that you need to go and do first yeah. and then after that there'll be other changes that you can make and mm -hmm. um, it, yeah definitely opened my mind as well as I think my heart yeah. Well, I mean, when you go think through something like that, it really does give you time to reflect. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I've had CBT therapy in the past. Um, obviously, recovered from disordered eating. And none of that ever felt, I don't want to say the word safe or comfortable, but it never felt like the safe space that CST and SER gave me. Mm -hmm. as a, a healing space I suppose mm -hmm. gave me a very structural way to cope maybe mm -hmm. but it never felt like healing yeah yeah I mean when you're speaking about disordered eating there and I've, I've had some amazing interviews with people who've shared about their experience and their triggers do you think there's always a trigger or do you think some people just are more prone to certain behaviors I think if you are off the 
if you have the need to control, mm -hmm. then if you don't heal what gives you that need to control, you will just move from one controlling behavior to another. Yes. So for me, I never dealt with issues that I'd had with my dad. My dad's an alcoholic. I don't have a relationship with him now. Um, but, you know, I, I lost my hero in my dad yeah. as, as a child growing up and had a complete breakdown of the relationship as a teenager. And I didn't know what to do with that. I didn't know what to do with the feelings, with the emotions. I couldn't control what he did. I couldn't control how I felt. And I turned to controlling what I ate, basically. Mm -hmm. um, and I, for me, some people get drawn into to eating disorders as an aesthetic thing. It's the way they look. Yeah. And I never had a problem with the way I looked, but I, I would say I, I got addicted to the empty feeling that hundred or so laxatives will give you. Yeah. Do you know? And that I, like I struggled to sleep at night without that empty feeling that I'd just purged everything from me, yeah. and I was purging food. What I wanted to purge was the feeling. The, the emotions that were all caught up inside mm -hmm. um, and I mean my mum and dad they tried they, you know they supported me to to go to the doctor to open up to the doctor to go and have CBT but somewhere deep inside I didn't want to let go of that coping mechanism yeah it was for me so I, I wanted to hold on to it um, and for a while I did replace that with overtraining and you know, running away from my problems, physically running. Um, so yeah, one kind of obsession just was replaced with another. Mm -hmm. And I don't even think to begin with, stopping the, the laxative use was for me. Do you know, I did it because other people said I should, not because I really wanted to give that up. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't till, you know, years later that, I started to work through that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I can joke about it now. My husband will say, you'd never do that again, would you? And I'm like, no, it's far too expensive. <laughs> and he's like, you can't, you can't joke about it. Uh, and I'm like, well, do you know, I'm in a place now where I, I can be lighthearted about it, but in the depth of it, do you know, I literally couldn't sleep without having emptied my innards mm -hmm. first. Um, or without doing three hours in the gym mm -hmm. because like I needed to do that to feel in control it's like a release and then yeah but you're in control of it so it gives you that a little bit of power that yeah. you feel powerless yeah mm -hmm. and I think if, if you don't heal what makes you feel powerless or what got you there in the first place you will just one addiction or one obsession will follow the next until you you deal with it do you think we all have that to a varying degree though because I, I learn just the more i learn about people i just find it fascinating but everyone seems to have a vice or you know they've had an addiction or you know something where they've lost control of so maybe to different degrees because no one's had a perfect life right and there's been things that have happened that we can't control. 
So it's almost like you hear these labels, like they just have an addictive personality. Like, well, is it, is it that? Or is it just that we're all trying to find a sense of control in what can be a fragile and chaotic world? Oh, I definitely think that. And I definitely think that people have, have something they haven't healed. Or, do you know, something that's there that will come back and tap them on the shoulder a little bit louder and a little bit louder and a little bit louder the longer that it goes on unhealed yeah. for one of them. Yeah, and do you think that's why people have breakdowns because it gets to a point where it's just like, boom. Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely believe that your body gives you little warning shots, mm-hmm. but we get really good at ignoring them. Mm-hmm. or writing it off as something else and it shouts louder and louder and louder and then eventually it'll stop you in your tracks mm-hmm. so that you're forced to pay attention that's definitely what happened to me wow so we need to get to a place of surrender yeah acceptance gratitude even though yeah. you know it can be hard but all these amazing tools that are that are out there so apart from that actual therapy sessions and, and releasing all of this do you have like a set of tools that really work for you sort of, of, of you know journaling or you know maybe yeah so I like to journal I've always been a writer I'm one for mind dumping mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. rather than so it's probably the the healthiest way of purging that I've ever used yeah. you know um, so just like let it all out and get it on the page and I don't necessarily ever read it again but I just get it all out there and then it's not in my head and I find that really effective um I still have regular CST sessions trying not to go with a month without having a CST session um because I, I do definitely start to feel when I've had a big gap mm-hmm. you know obviously lockdown and restrictions meant that I went for a long time without it and I definitely started to feel the lack of having that mm-hmm. um over lockdown I've kind of dabbled with meditation but I've got much more um routine with meditating and making it a non-negotiable mm-hmm. making sure that I fit it in and if I can't fit it in during the day I've got my husband hooked on doing it at bedtime oh wow um, and I'll often use one that maybe runs for two hours so that you can consciously be in it for 10, 15, 20 minutes, however long you can stay awake, but subconsciously you're there for a little bit longer. Um, And walking, getting outside and walking. Yeah. We've got two dogs, so there's not really an excuse not to, Mm -hmm. but I, I really feel, and I mean, I was a runner running miles and miles a week. Mm-hmm. but actually I really feel the benefit of being outside and walking and I don't sometimes I listen to a podcast sometimes listen to a book but a lot of the time I'll just not take a device mm-hmm. and just be in you know nature and soak that up and quieten down quieten the mind and the soul will speak yes absolutely nature is just so magic for that it kind of shrinks the ego it gives you that sense of calm and just being by the trees or looking up at the sky 
it's just so good isn't it yeah I love to be out in the moon as well yeah <laughs> Do you know, and we're lucky that where we are on a clear night there's not too much light pollution so you can really see the stars uh, and I mean I don't really go anywhere but I do like to just go out and stand in the stars and the moon and it, it really gives me a sense of perspective do you know yeah. how great and vast everything is and how small we are <laughs> I know I know it's crazy isn't it it's just something so magic about just looking up and, and taking that time to look up when it's so easy just to scroll and be in a world of of looking down and it's yeah look up look up every day yeah the other thing that I've done that I've made a non-negotiable is prioritizing sleep yeah like I be a night owl and a morning lark and mm -hmm. sacrifice sleep either end of you know the day in the morning um but once I'd studied the importance of sleep and I was like whoa that's like you can't be doing that that's terrible um so yeah now my I've got the the thing on your phone that switches your apps off oh great at half nine and they don't come back on till seven o'clock and I'm an early riser but I'm not scrolling because it's all switched off and I mean you can override it but for me, the fact that the phone's like, right, we're timing out in five minutes mm -hmm. and it's not on in the morning, I find that really useful. And I never scroll in bed or really before bed. I'm always in bed by 10. Um, and yeah, like that, that's one of my big, that was a big game changer for me. It's, it, it makes such a difference. Like I still sometimes get sucked in if we're out of the routine, like my thing was put the phone away and read a chapter of your book before bed if you're not too tired. Uh, and that will, you know, and then lights out and that's it. But um, there'll be occasional night, I'll be like, oh, just check that post. And I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Put it away, put it away, <laughs> like stop scrolling. And uh, like sleep for me, you know, when my sleep was at its worst, you know, I started having hallucinations. I mean, it was only one period of my life I had insomnia. Um, and it was just terrifying. Like, you know, I remember just sitting in my car one day thinking, I'd just been in a personal training session and I was looking over and it was a guy just there probably having his lunch and I was convinced that he was following me. I was getting really paranoid and suspicious, but I was surviving on two nights sleep a night or two hours sleep a night or something like that at points, but I wasn't well, so I didn't realize. And um, yeah. it's just really, really scary because you can just, oh, so for me, my number one on my well-being plan and as part of my recovery has been, you know, just sleep, sacred sleep. The past year, I've never slept as much in my life. <laughs> You know, in recovery, I was sleeping maybe 14 hours a night, 15 hours a night sometimes. And then I've got it down to sort of nine hours, but I, I, I get my full nine hours. And even if, you know, like Bonnie's come through a couple of nights, she'll just kind of snuggle in and stuff. She's so cozy, but I'm just like, oh, sleep, sleep, sleep. Just Yeah, but it's, it's so, so important. And, you know, you're saying that as part of your recovery, your body can only heal and recover while you sleep. Because everything else is is not happening. Um, I really try and hammer that home to my kids that you know when you're not feeling well or um, for your brain to work 
func optimally at school, uh, or for my little boy's absolutely rugby daft, my eldest. Um, and you know, I'm like, if you want to make that pitch in Murrayfield in a blue jersey, you have to sleep now. Do you know, that's the one thing that you can do over and above. Each you know, you'll spend hours kicking a, a rugby ball outside, but I'm like, you have to make sure you go to bed and you go to sleep and you take all the opportunities you can to get really good quality sleep. Um, because, you know, that's the one time that your body can heal itself. Yeah. It, it's so important. And I've always, always been like, I need eight hours, I need my eight hours, like always been that way. And the two periods of my life where I, my mental health wasn't great was when I was traveling, partying too hard, and I was getting, that's when I had my first panic attack. And that was definitely partly related to sleep, partly partying too hard as well, you know. We're going back, goodness, how many years is it now? 15 years or something uh, since I was doing like my around the world. But, um, and then the second time was when I had insomnia and all sorts. Um, and it was just like, holy crap, like completely. I just lose it, I completely lose it. So being grounded in the body, um, I think as well, if you're quite, eh, like if you're doing meditation or you're doing things and you're quite giving away your energy or you're quite high, a high energy person, then it can be easy to sort of, if you're not sleeping enough, you can, you know, get swept away and, and lose that groundedness. And we kind of need to always come back to the body and be grounded in the body and check in with how we feel and how our energy is each day. And it's so important, isn't it? Oh, it is. And I, again, I work a lot with teaching clients to come into their own body and listen to what it tells you, do you know, rather than what social media tells you or what the telly tells you or what, do you know, so-and-so's next, next door's auntie told you, you know, like it's intuitively in here, yeah. but almost lost the ability to tune into that. And lots of people need to learn to sit with it and to ask themselves the questions rather than seeking the, the answers externally yeah. and actually listen to the feedback because mm -hmm. your body will give you the feedback. Again, we're really good at just drowning it out and ignoring it. It's so true. I, I felt like I got to a point where there were so many opinions in my head and, and my husband would be like, but you meet new people like all the time and it's all wellness, 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 but it was like I was so stim overstimulated and it was like, what, who am I? Like, what do I, what do I really believe? Yeah. You know, what, 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 you know, you've got to take what works for you and, you know, and have, a, have those boundaries in place as well, don't you? Yeah. And I mean, that's the same for people I work with. I really try and focus on that. There is no one size fits all and there is no one magic pill. Mm -hmm. This is pretty much a self-discovery process. Mm -hmm. The things that, that land with you and work well mm -hmm. and the things that you try and you think, that one's not for me. That's not going to work for me. And being confident enough in your own self-understanding mm -hmm. to say, no, that one's not for me that doesn't work for me yeah 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 that's yeah totally and it, it's readdressing that as well 
and uh, just being, yeah, that's fine. You can say no to things. You can just being so clear. That's that clarity, isn't it? It's taken time to get that clarity so you can confidently say no. I've or you know, oh, that course sounds great. Thanks, but actually, I've been doing quite a lot of courses. Or you know, with any any anything that comes your way, actually, no. I am confident in my answers, and I know what's for me. Um, and I guess that's hard with social media because there's so many voices coming in and so many opportunities and so many people getting in touch or so many, and you, you do have to step back a little bit from it and check in with what you need and, and what's right for you. And Oh, definitely. And what you said about being overstimulated, I think that happens to a lot of people just with social media. Mm -hmm. And they do actually get to the point where it's like, well, I don't actually know if it's me or if it's, my newsfeed, do you know? Yeah. I don't know where the boundary is or what, but so-and-so said that that's good, you know, and it's like, but what did, what do you think? What, yeah. what is your body's feedback? What, what are you getting from it? Um, and I think lots of people have lost the confidence to say, like you said, no, no thanks, that's not for me. Or yes, definitely, this is the path that works for me. Mm -hmm. This is where I want to be. Yeah. But it just takes quieting, quieting it all down. And, yeah. and do you have any like books you'd recommend? Anything you've read where you've been like, wow, that's great advice? Oh, Jojo, I've got so many books. Wow. Um, so there's a book, where is it? This one's really good. Reclaiming Your Body. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's another one called The Body Keeps the Score and they're really good for yeah, tuning back into your body and understanding that physical illness again we're very good at treating symptoms mm -hmm. rather than looking for root causes mm -hmm. so peeling back the layers to look for the cause of problems rather than a uh, just treating the symptom that you are presenting with at that time because again I am a believer that the symptoms are just your body's way of trying to get your attention yeah. that something's not right and something needs dealt with yeah. and only treating the symptom won't alleviate that mm -hmm. so, so that's one thing that functional medicine is really good at looks for the root cause rather than only treating the symptom yeah. um, I'm just looking to see what else. What other books? Um, oh, Intuitive Living. There's a book called Intuitive Living. Um, I'll show you. By Phoebe of Pandora. Right, I'll give you two more. Otherwise, everybody will be like, what is she all about? I love a book. Um, Intuitive Living by Pandora Paloma. Right. That's really good. And that's something that I try and bring people back to. So intuitive eating, intuitive exercising, you know, exercising for joy rather than to crack up calories, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's um, a six-week guide to self-love, basically. It's quite a nice, easy read. Um, and then the creation of health, that one's a bit more heavy. But again, it's, it's a nice one um, that takes a kind of holistic approach uh, again, rather than zooming in on one part of the picture, zooming out and looking at the bigger picture of what 
what health and wellness really is and what it means to you. Amazing. Great. I love a book. <laughs> I always ask people at the end, what, what's your kind of mojo injection song that gets you just, yeah, out of your mind and in that sweet place? So again, very eclectic taste in music, but the song at the moment, um, so my business is a Phoenix Health Coaching and it, I went for Phoenix because at any one time there is only one phoenix and every new phoenix rises from the ashes of the last so for me there will only ever be one you mm-hmm. but you can rise from the ashes of trauma or illness or ill health or anything and become uh i don't want to say a better version of you but you know a more of a healthier version of you Mm-hmm. Um, and the Eurovision Song Contest entry at the moment, uh, Embers, is it? Oh. Uh, you and me going to rise from the Embers. That just it totally gets me going at the moment. So, yeah, that would be my song of the moment. Oh, amazing. I'm going to blast <laughs> it and dance. It's called Embers, and it's uh, who sings it? Oh, I can't remember. Um, oh. Hang on, I'll Google it. It's the... How cheesy is the Eurovision entry? Well, maybe uh, you might win it. (laughs) What's it called? Well, that's just what date. Hang on. James Newman. Brilliant. James Newman, Embers. Yes. So, yeah, that's my, my song at the moment. Amazing. He's just written that about me. Wow. Not at all. But, you know. It's funny, though, when you hear a song and you're like, that is exactly where I'm at. It, we were speaking about that last week with Edward Reed, and he, uh, whenever he goes on to, I think it was at Smooth Radio or Heat Radio, he would get all these signs from the songs and we were laughing. <laughs> Um, oh, amazing well it's been it's been so good to talk to you thank you so much and um, where do you I'll put your dates in the show notes and I'll do a blog at some point too um, but where's your favorite place for people to contact you um, probably Facebook or Instagram okay um, they'll get me there uh, my website is it should be up probably by the time this comes out my website will be live but yeah in facebook or instagram you're you're guaranteed to get me there um so yeah great well thank you so much for bringing the mojo and giving us lots of great tips and sharing so openly it's been amazing and um yeah keep keeping the mojo flying for the rest of the week absolutely thank you for having me jojo thank you so much I love that chat. Let's shake it. So, song for your playlist, James Newman, Embers. Out of the embers, you and I gonna light up the room. Light it up, baby. Out of the embers, you and I burning for you. There's a fire burning for you, baby. Shake it. Own it. Oh, yeah. James Newman. United Kingdom, Eurovision 2021. The embers, you and I are gonna light up the room. Oh yeah, light up the room. 
Right, guys, light up the room. Shake it, get the music on, get lost in the beat. Forget about anything frantic going on in the world. Find your little pockets of peace, calm and joy. Wake up the mojo if it's fallen asleep for a bit. It's always in there. All the love and good vibes. See you next week, guys. Mwah.